You're listening to the Short Shift Podcast, proud member of the Black and Gold Podcast Network. You can support the show by leaving a comment and five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can contact the show via Twitter at ShortShiftPod. Cynically acclaimed, incredibly online. It's Boston Hockey Talk with your hosts, Thomas Nystrom and Andrew Johnson. Enjoy the show. Surprise, Bruins fans. Got a new show, part of the BNG Podcast Network. My name is Thomas Nystrom, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Andrew Johnson. Andrew, what's going on, guy? What's the crack, buddy? How are you? I'm good. I am ready for hockey tonight and tomorrow and every day. 116 days in a row I'm reading. That's absolutely insane. There, 116 days in a row, 56 games times 31 teams. Fucking get in, man. Let's jump right into off-season grades. Let's put a bow on the off-season. Dust is settled. We can look to the off-season with a less emotional eye. The very basics. Let's quickly run down. Krug leaves for St. Louis for seven years, $4.5 million. It seemed like the team was heading in that direction, so it wasn't a huge surprise, but it's still jarring to lose arguably one of the fan favorites. The biggest one, just right before New Year's Eve, Char leaves for the Capitals, $795,000. 14 years as a captain, gone. It's over. So the Band-Aid's ripped off. How do you feel about Char being gone? I feel good about it. Um, I've been under the camp that we have needed to move on for a couple of years now. I know that is a very controversial take in Bruins land, but um, he's 43 years old. And watching him last year, and even before the bubble, even before the bubble, like take the bubble out of it. Everybody looked bad in the bubble. He was looking slow. He could not turn. Um, delay of game penalties were his specialty and it was just, it was just painful to watch. And he was being carried, carried and, and was holding back one of our, one of our best players and easily our best defenseman and Charlie McAvoy. So McAvoy is going to be a pillar. He's going to win. He's going to win a Norris while he's on the Boston Bruins. There is no doubt in my mind, but Charo was an albatross around his neck. And now that that's gone, long-term, Zaboral, Erhol Vakanainen, and Jeremy Lazan, I believe that they will be more than capable of taking the torch. Yep. Everybody, I think everybody just likes to pile on Sweeney for the sake of piling on him. So, Charas, Keter, his, Matt Keter, his agent, and Sweeney all said the same thing. They were direct in what they wanted. They were direct about the role and they were direct about the money. They offered him $1.5 million to be a rotational seventh defender. Yep. And, and coach. they were honest. Yes, exactly. And they were honest about it. I don't know. I like so many Bruins fans have an ax to grind for Don Sweeney because, but I think they handled it fine. 
And Zidane Chara is well within his right to think that he still that he still can play regular minutes at a high level. Nobody should tell another player when they should retire. If he thinks he can still play, he should still play. What what else could have Sweeney done in that position? The optics on him weren't great from a fan perspective. He came off his line, but did he? Ultimately, all he did was leave out some information that Chara kind of filled in the gaps. Sweeney never came out and said, we, we, we think you are too old for the role or, or your minutes need to go down because you can't physically do it. Sweeney never said that because you can outright say that Chara is old and insult him, but that's not what Sweeney did. Ultimately, you look at the idea of nobody likes their managers. And if you do, it's because you have this amazing manager that's more of like an equal as opposed to a boss. You know what I mean? So obviously the, easy, the easy way to, to place the blame or, or to focus your hurt would be to be on Sweeney or to be on Cam Neely. You could simply say, We're, we want to go for a youth movement. That's basically what he did. And that's honestly the only way to do it with respect to the captain. And to another, yeah, and to a po- another point, Sweeney, it's well within his rights to not overplay his hand to the media or to the fans. Because honestly, and I'm going to get, I think I'm going to get get a little bit of flack for saying this. He, oh, he does not owe us a goddamn thing. No, not at all. He doesn't have to tell us anything. So, and he, but he's been, he was direct and honest. If you think that Don Sweeney was lying. Your view is that Don Sweeney, Zidane Chara, and Matt Keeter all were lying at the same time. Yep. I find that very hard to believe. I think, I think to use the, the term lying is wrong. You can say that mm-hmm. he omitted some information out of respect. And it's what the Boston fandom and Boston media, for as fanatical and insane and deep diving as they can be, they looked for a bigger story in it. It's really simple. They wanted to go for a youth movement. That's essentially what Sweeney said in so many words and tried to do it as politely and respectfully as possible. Essentially, like if he took this contract for $800,000, that's half the money that he was supposedly offered. So it comes down to just what the role was. Sweeney offered him a role. Hey, this is what I have for you. He didn't take it. There's no hard feeling. You worry about it or you feel you feel like, oh man, how, how the fuck can they do that to Char? But that's not the case. And now that we're a little bit removed from it, roughly two weeks removed from it. I just, I don't see how anybody could still be mad at Sweeney for it. There's a million things you can be miffed about with Sweeney. This is not one of the things for me. No, absolutely. I think, I think Sweeney played this fine, you know, good luck to Chara, you know, 14 years as the captain, but it's time. He's 43 years old and yeah. it's time to see what we have in Jacob Saboral. And I, and I, I I'll, I'll single him out specifically. Mm-hmm. Because in the offseason, he was signed to a to a waiver-proof deal where the team basically said, spot in the top six, the spot in the top six is yours. You have to really fuck up in order to lose this. Yep. It was uh two years, 1.45 million, if I'm correct in my notes here. That's correct. I, I think it was I think it was um I think that comes out to, I'm not a math major. I think that comes out to 725, 725, something like that. More more than enough than what he probably was expecting, honestly. I I do think some of the the confusion or or some of the disdain for Sweeney in the situation is kind of coincided by the fact Kevin Miller signed for a year for 2 million with a bonus structure. Like, okay, well, Chara produced to a point. Did he tail off? Yeah, the numbers show it, but... The eyeball test shows it, but but he's Chara. 
Kevin Miller hasn't shown us anything for two years. All we know about Kevin Miller is that he's a, the, the, the hockey equivalent of, of a dirt dog. He's literally Dustin Pedroia for the Red Sox, but he's in a, on hockey skates. You know what I mean? Like he's one of those players who, if he's healthy, he's going to grind, but is he healthy? The hope is that he is. And, and obviously Sweeney's banking on it if he's giving him $2 million, but you have $2 million on top of a bonus structure. So he's expecting a lot out of it. And he and 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 you talking about Dustin Pedroia, man. I do, th- Thomas. I never made that connection. That is a really good point. And that in real and when you when you think about how Dustin Pedroia's career ended here, yeah, where he kept trying to come back and kept trying to come back and kept trying to come back from knee injuries and just couldn't do it. He wants to play the game, and I think Kevin Miller desperately wants to play the game, and you have an organization that wants him to play the game. If you want to throw $2 million at Kevin Miller, ultimately that's how you're going to be judged. Yeah. In terms of Kevin Miller, I think Sweeney signed him to a contract for, as sort of a, sort of a carrot. Like here's a, here's a reward for all the hard work of you, you know, rehabbing. It's a thank you. Hey, thank you for, thank you for your fight. Thank you for, should it have been less? You can you can make that argument, sure. Mm-hmm. So other things that happened in the offseason, you had Nordstrom leaving for Calgary for $700,000, one-year deal. That spot can be filled up from youth. Honestly, I think we have three or four guys more than capable of actually pulling in. What did Nordstrom have last year, like six goals? Uh, yes. I, um, yeah, I, can, I can pull it up. Uh, he's a di- Nordstrom is a very good penalty killer. He's a dime a dozen Ford. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've had different Ford. versions of Nordstrom over and over again since the 2010-2011 Cup run. Nordstrom had four goals, by the way. Did he? Yeah. So I gave him I gave him more credit than he deserved. I liked, honestly, <laughs> like, I liked Nordstrom. I thought he was a good role player, but that's that's all he is. And because of the way this offseason works. You can do that younger with upside. Yeah, exactly. And, and potentially on a two-way, depending on who it is. So more flexibility right. than, than just having Nordstrom. So the Bruins also made a uh, slightly splashy signing of Craig Smith, three years, $9.3 million. Uh, not a huge name, but there's a lot to like about him. Uh, I've been a fan of him personally since his rookie year. I was still living in Nashville, going to about 20 to 30 games a year. I actually owned his jersey in his rookie season because of his number. Number 15 uh, was always my number growing up, and I just in the last couple of years switched to 51 because, unfortunately, my age is closer to 51 than it is 15, so... I had to move on a little bit. But there's a lot to like about Craig Smith. He could potentially slot into literally every line on this team. Based on his skill set, he could probably do it pretty flawlessly. Uh, He's willing to shoot the puck. If the puck's on a stick, he's going to look at the net first before he looks at a pass. And that lends itself very well to the 300 level in the arena once we get fans back in there. You're not going to be screaming the word shoot at Craig Smith very often. I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Um, I was on the Craig Smith train when the Bruins got eliminated in the bubble. I was like, all right, get a shooter, Craig Smith. He is, for his value, for what he provides, and the for what I can only really describe as chronic underusage in Nashville. He was always just a third-line guy. They would never, he would never be bumped up for any 
significant amount of time and he would always be producing. He's one of the most efficient middle six forwards in the NHL. And the contract that the Bruins got him on was a steal to me. So far and away, Sweeney's best move this offseason. And I am a little surprised that um, he's starting this year on the third line. Um, But I think pertaining to that, I think Bruce wants to see a little bit more of the continuation with the chemistry that David Krejci and Andre Kasha had at the end of the bubble. Cause they were, they were, they were humming at the end of that. And I, I want to see that too, but Kasha has got to bury one goal. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, other quick signings here. We had a couple of death signings, Carson Coleman, Greg McKay, who's already gone. Callum Booth, nothing else really that crazy. So ultimately let's take a look at, putting a bow on it, give it a grade. See, and this is taking into account um, everything, everything that everybody who was signed and left. And I'm not taking into account um, Bruins are in on Oliver Ekman Larson. Bruins are in on Taylor Hall. Bruins are in on Mike Hoffman. Like that's just, that's, that's, that's the media just vomiting whatever that they, whatever they want and hoping it sticks to the wall. Yep. Um, So, for what he did and and how he you know augmented the team and also to a lesser extent his draft, um, I'll I'll touch on that for like five seconds. I really like Mason Lari and uh, Trevor Kunter, the second and third round picks. They look like they're going to be players. So all that is all that with all that, I'll give it a C. Um, they he didn't there wasn't a splash, but there wasn't going to be. Honestly, I, I have similar notes about Taylor Hall, uh, Ekman Larson, Noah Hannafin, uh, Tyler Toffoli, players like that. Oh, their names Noah get. Hannafin. I don't get, want to hear that name again. No, I don't I'm, want to hear I'm that completely name again. over it. And it doesn't matter who the player was, Boston was attached to every single name because we were convinced and rightfully so, I guess to a point, Sweeney did say that they were going to go out and get somebody, but. COVID's effect on teams' willingness to deal or offer long-term cra- uh, contracts this year. Uh, question if the scene, the season would even happen. Uh, I think a lot of that had a, a big effect. So they signed Smith because it was a role that needed to happen. They made some moves, uh, whether it was for depth, depth purposes. They looked at this as potentially a year that wouldn't happen. So let's, let's set the farm up when you have a, a franchise pillar like we said before in charlie mcavoy you have to see what else you can build around him it's it's 100 simple and you have 100%. you have pasta and you have mcavoy those are two guys that you expect to have on this team for another decade so for me i gave the offseason grade a c plus it was nothing exciting but it was nothing atrocious other than the immediate optics of what happened with chara and what happened with krug and that is strictly a passion play and how you feel about your team. Oh man, I can't wear this Jersey to the arena anymore. Whatever. That's, that's how you look at it from a fan perspective, a couple weeks removed. I may even be willing to slide this into the B uh, B minus range. Uh, if Smith has a hot start on the third line, I could see him plug into any line thrown out there each night. Uh, the grade could also trend upward if the organization gets what they're hoping for out of the decor. So 
looking at this offseason, at the end of the season, if if this D gels, if Smith gives us some production, if Krejci is willing to put the puck on net a little bit, if Pasta comes back and he's just as hot as he started last year, this can be a really, really exciting year. And at the end of it, Sweeney can just sit there and just say, I fucking told you so. If that doesn't happen, he's going to get shit on. Even if this team finishes second or third place, if it's not a Stanley Cup, people are mad. And and the, and f- the fuel of the fire, you know, of Bruins fans. I mean, I mean, the 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 most pulse that we can get on Bruins fans is Bruins Twitter and Bruins social media. So I think the fact that um, every time the Bruins lost out on on a free agent, it was like fire Sweeney, fire Sweeney, fire Sweeney. And the, the argument that I have for that is is with what like look at the look at the the look at the results of where he came in in 2015 to now he he's made a cup final he's won a general manager of the year he took us out of the cap hell Mm -hmm. that peter shirelli had us in i think i think in that situation he's he's earned a few more years to see what his what his grand vision is so the lines that appear to be the opening night lines are um, Marshawn, Bergeron, Stadnika, Debrusque, Krejci, Kasha, Richie, Coyle, and Craig Smith, Anders Bjork, Sean Corrali, and Chris Wagner, and with Trent Frederick and Parlin Holm being the extras. Um, really interested in seeing what Jack Stadnika can bring to the top line with Pasta out. Um, great. He had a very good year in the AHL. I think he's ready for, I, I, I oscillate a little bit between wanting to see him half a year in the minors and then get called up. But from what I saw in the bubble and from what the reports from training camp are, I think he's ready for the show. And I think he'll be a fine compliment for Bergeron and Marchand, but Nick Ritchie, man, like, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know about that. I want to see, I, I'd rather see Trent Frederick and Anders Bjork. Um, kind of maybe Trent Frederick on the fourth line, Anders Bjork on the third line. But what do you think? Because I, I'm, I'm at kind of my wits end with Nick Ritchie already. And, but it seems like the team is giving him a good faith effort. I mean, you, you almost have to. Uh, he's getting the third line nod. In my mind, the only, the only way this makes sense to me is they're trying to give him a little bit of confidence. He's a former first-round draft pick. He couldn't put it together in Anaheim. I said to you earlier today, part of me feels sorry for the guy. Uh, he's trying to get on the right track, reclaim his career, and he's going to be doing it in Boston. The fans and the media can be awful to a player who is not or things aren't clicking for him. We're often quick to cast out a player into nothingness Best case scenario, he gets off to a good start. The noise around his name dissipates. He he finds his game, but there's no doubt the short short leash is there. Cassidy made a really a really telling comment today when they were talking about the Lions. He said, "Let me pull up the quote here." Richie really needs to get last year behind him, and so do we. That the so do we just kind is of, just that little fucking dagger, like twist the knife, bro. Yep. Yep. But, I mean, but yep. he's not exactly. wrong. He's not wrong. No, 
This is why I love Cassidy. He does not. He does not bullshit. Richie's not stupid. He plays like he's lobotomized, but I don't think he's dumb. <laughs> I think he knows. I think he knows that the that the leash is kind of really, really taut right now and yeah. really close to breaking. So, you know, we're giving you a shot here. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. There's there's almost like to bring it to another sport analogy. It's this is almost like when the Patriots signed Tebow and said if anybody's going to get anything out of you, it's going to be us. And they couldn't get it out of them. And there's, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's nothing left for you on, on this field. That's a really good, that's a really good comparable. That's a really good analogy. So, so you got Nick Ritchie and it's just, okay. If Cassidy, if, if an original six, if, if this team can't get something out of me, this might be it. This might be it. I think it's not the hottest take in the world to say that he came to the Boston Bruins woefully out of shape. He was, he was, he was big buff. He was big buff territory when he came here and not in the fun way. Um, the wants gotta be there and the, and the, and the confidence has gotta be there. Cassidy is giving him at least a little bit being like, okay, you're starting on, you're starting on the third line, but please, please know. I'm watching you, dude. I would I would be more on your boat if he didn't show up to camp looking like he just ate a bread truck. But <laughs> or lo- looking like he showed up after the draft, looking like he just ate a bread truck. Yeah. He's apparently come to camp, he's slimmed down and he looked and he's looked good and he's looked physical doing yeah. the game. I don't need we don't need a gym class hero. We need you to step it up when the games matter. I guess for me it's it, it it bothers me how much sometimes this fan base roots against their own team or roots against their own players to succeed. Best case scenario, this guy does well, and we all shut up, and we don't say his name on this podcast for another fucking two months. <laughs> but most likely, unfortunately, that's not going to be the case because the microscope is going to be on this kid. He's got to produce, or else we're going to be talking about him, and it's probably not going to be in a positive light. All right, Bruins fans, this is what to expect from the show. We're going to attempt to bring you balanced Bruins sports talk. We're going to give you opinions. We're going to be cynical. We are self-deprecating Bruins fans. We're going to call out the bad fans. We're going to bring in guests from other fan bases to preview games, gain insight on their teams, get some perspective on how their fan base views ours and views the chances of the Boston Bruins when it comes to the 2021 season. There's going to be a healthy amount of chirping, some laid back conversations, Hockey's supposed to be fun. You can be a smart sports fan without being up your own ass, Boston. I promise you. First episode's going to be recorded after game three against the Islanders. We're going to sit back. We're going to assess what we see the first few nights. And we're going to preview the home opener against Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday, January 21st. I'd like to thank BNG Productions and you for bringing me, bringing me on this project. And I'm looking forward to skating some more short shifts with you. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to bringing you Short Shift Podcast. We'll see you. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go on to Best Buy and buy a new router. <laughs>